Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Hey, welcome to MVF on Palm Sunday. Uh, This is that that day that we've set aside. It's the first day of Holy Week. It's to remind us of the triumphal entry of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. And as Pastor Tim talked about just a minute ago, they were celebrating by raising palms. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. But they were declaring him as the earthly king. They thought he was coming in to overthrow the Roman government. And if you know your biblical uh, history, you know that the reason he was coming in was not to take over the throne on an earthly stage, but to give his life at the cross, which he would do later on. Those same people that were cheering Hosanna would just in a few days be crying out, crucify him. He would go to the cross and give his life for the forgiveness of sins, and then he would rise three days later from the tomb to um, offer us eternal life. And so he is the Messiah. He is the King, right on. And so we're celebrating that today. Uh, This series that we've been walking through that's going to take us right up to Easter is this series entitled I Am, hence the big I Am behind me here. And uh, as you can see, written on it uh, are all the weeks that we've covered so far. Uh, We are covering the I Am statements that Jesus made about himself in the book of John. So far, we've talked about his statement, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then last week we talked about his statement, before Abraham was, I am. And I want to share with you the next I am statement. So if you would grab your Bibles, head over to John chapter 15. We're going to be the first 10 verses this morning. And uh, we've been sharing with you over the last couple of weeks why it's important for us to understand the I am statements. There's some great things that come out of that. It changes who we are. We recognize that he's the only one that can fill the longing of our heart. It changes our worship. Uh, But I want to caution us just real quick, because as Christians, we have this horrible tendency And it's to make uh, church and our faith all about what we know. It's more about knowledge than it is about what it does in our life, how it changes us from the inside out. And many of you can attest that there's a big difference between learning about Jesus and being connected to Jesus. Right on? You know what I'm saying? So the idea behind this series was not so much that we would fill our head with knowledge, but that it would sink down 18 inches into our heart and it would transform us from the inside out. That we would understand that Jesus says, I am, and we would know that he is, and we would be able to declare that, and it would change us and how we approach life and how we approach our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, you can know about Jesus and not know Jesus. And this series is about us knowing Jesus, fostering that up relationship with him. Now, I um, want to tell you the statement that we're covering today comes in the very first verse in John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. He just comes right out and says it. If you're there, this is what it says. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, 
and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the gospel I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Uh, Jesus, in this statement to his disciples, just comes right out, says it in verse 1, and this is our I am statement for the morning. He says, I am the true grapevine. Now, I love the fact that in the NLT here, it's actually translated into grapevine because that's exactly what it means. The original text, the, the word that's used there, it actually refers to a grapevine or a vineyard. And so if you want to think about it in, you know, accurately, think about grapes or think about a vineyard and the vine that runs through that. And then, of course, all the branches that break off from that and produce fruit. But I love the fact that he doesn't just stay, I'm the grapevine. He says, I am the what? The true grapevine, which implies that there are other vines that you can be connected to that are false. You're seeking life. You want to produce fruit in your life. There are a lot of things that we can connect ourselves to, which are actually false vines. And some of you are living in that right now. You've connected yourself to something that you thought was going to bring life, and it's brought anything but. You thought it was going to bring satisfaction and it's nowhere to be found. Uh, Jesus goes on in the first part of verse 4 to say, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. Now, we just uh, recently returned with a whole group of you. There was like 27 of us from Mountain View Fellowship here that just went to Israel. We got to tour Israel. And, and for those of you that just returned, you're smiling because you're, you're already in your head getting you this picture because you know that the northern part of Israel is lush. Like there's vineyards everywhere. There's, there's uh, fruit trees and, and orchards everywhere. It's a very, very fertile place to be. And for the disciples walking with Jesus and all the pilgrimages they would have made all the way from the Sea of Galilee down to Jerusalem and back, they would have passed hundreds and hundreds of vineyards. And I think as they're walking with Jesus and he makes the statement, I am the true grapevine, they're understanding what he's saying. But also it says, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. I think they would have, want, they would have said, hey, um, yeah, we get that. Like that makes sense. Tell us something we don't know, right? And then Jesus, I think in the very next um, phrase here at the end of this verse, tells them exactly what he wants them to know. In the second part of four, he says, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. 
You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Uh, some of your translations say abide in me. So remain, abide. It's this idea of connecting with Jesus. And if you are not connected to Jesus, he says you cannot be fruitful. And this is reiterated all the way through scripture. We see it where it says staying connected to Jesus is the only way your life will produce fruit. Let me read that again. Staying connected to Jesus is the only way your life will produce fruit. Some of you are here because somebody invited you, or maybe you just came in because you're checking things out before Easter. You're trying to figure out where you're going to come for Easter, right? Um, maybe some of you have been coming for a while, and you've never really accepted Christ, and you think your life is doing just fine, and this is what you need to hear this morning. Unless you're connected to Jesus, you will not produce fruit in your life. It's not going to happen. And he just comes right out and says it. He lets you know right up front, I am the true grapevine, and unless you're connected to me, your life will not produce the fruit that you desire, period. I love this text because many times when we read in Scripture, we're not sure where Jesus is at sometimes when he's talking. But here in verse uh, chapter 15, we know exactly where he's at. We just talked about Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, right? That actually is found in chapter 12 of John. If you want to go back and read that, you can. And that's the beginning of Holy Week. That's when he rides into Jerusalem. And then chapters 13 and 14, we find Jesus in an upper room having a last supper. It's the, the Passover. And he's sharing this meal with his disciples. And then if you skip to chapters 16, 17, and 18, we find him going to the garden. He's betrayed, arrested. He goes on trial. He's crucified. All of that is happening through there. But when you go to verse 15, which is where we're at today, we're in between all of that. We know where Jesus is at when he's making this statement. Because the end of 14, they're in the upper room and he says, let's go to the garden. And so when we get to 15, as they're having this conversation, let me show you like a drawing of ancient uh, Jerusalem here, and just to set it in perspective for us, uh, here in context, we know that in this area is where they celebrated the, the Last Supper. They got together, it was the Passover, it's what they would do as, as good Jews, and they would celebrate this meal together, and this is where they were at. We get to the end of verse uh, chapter 14, and Jesus says, let's go to the garden. The garden is here. And so in order to get there, they would have had to go up through the upper city. They would have had to pass by the temple out the eastern gate and go out to the garden. And so somewhere along this path is where we get chapter 15. Now, I want to make an argument that I believe that Jesus and his disciples are probably passing by the temple when this statement is made. And let me tell you why I believe that. Because we know that the temple that is built during the time of Jesus has something absolutely incredible in front of it. Uh, as you walk by the front of the temple, there would have been, and you can see it here, there would have been surrounding the entrance a massive golden grapevine that would have surrounded the, the columns, gone over the top, and from the top were hanging these massive golden clusters of grape. And actually, one of the historians, Josephus, writes about it. He's talking about how everything was covered in gold, how beautiful it was. And then he says, it also had uh, golden vines above it from which clusters of grapes hung as tall as a man's height. Imagine golden grape clusters as tall as, like six foot tall, hanging above the entry of this temple. 
this is what it would have looked like. So if, if you were walking by, you would have seen these golden grapevines and these golden grapes hanging at the entrance of the temple. Now you might be asking, well, why would they do that? Why did they have that? Uh, well, a grapevine represented a lot of stuff to them in the first century. Obviously, if the vineyards were doing well, it meant they had plenty of rain, that, that things were going well for them. And so a grapevine with, with grapes would represent God's provision and his blessing. It would, it would represent happiness and joy and vitality. That's what grapes represented to them. And you know what? It's interesting because it represents the same thing to us today. You don't believe me? Something big happens in our lives. We get a promotion or we have a child or something. We get together. Uh, we hold our glasses up and we toast each other, right? And we say a toast to good times or what's happened. And what's usually in that cup? It's usually wine. Why? Because it represents blessing and happiness and joy and vitality. And the temple entrance, it had this big, massive golden grapevine and grapes hanging from it. And what they were saying by this is if you want God's provision, if you want God's blessing, if you want happiness and joy and vitality, this is the place you get it. Because the temple was the center of all of their religion. It's where they went to offer their offerings and their sacrifices. It's went where they went to be cleansed of their sins and, and where they would meet with the presence of God because inside of what they called the Holy of Holies is what they considered where, is where God's presence dwelt. So to get close to God, to be connected to God, they would go into the temple here. They would get close to the temple. And I want you to imagine in John chapter 15, all of this is going on. And Jesus is walking with his disciples. He's going from the upper room. They're walking past the temple. They're on their way to the garden. By the way, he's getting ready to give his life. And he looks over at the temple and he says, see that? I'm the true grapevine. I am how you connect to God. You want blessing? You want provision in your life? It comes through me. You want true joy and happiness? It comes through me. And you fast forward to 2023, and isn't that the same thing we want today? Like, what is it that you want in your relationships, in your marriage? Don't you want God's blessing? Don't you want happiness and joy and vitality in your life? Isn't that what you want? And the statement that Jesus made back then is just as true today. He is the true grapevine. If you want joy and you want happiness and you want vitality and you want his provision, his blessing, it comes through him. Jesus says, that can only come through me. It doesn't come any other way. And then he repeats himself in verse five. He says, yes, I am the vine. And look at who we are. It says, you are the what? The branches, you're the branches. And we don't have time to get into this, but I, as I was studying this and thinking through it, I started thinking about how big the vine is. If you've ever been to a vineyard and you watch how long those vines run, and then off of those vines, you have all these little branches that produce the fruit. And those, those branches are these tiny little twigs. That's all they are. They are insignificant compared to the vine. And I think there's a whole message in that. And he says, uh, I'm the vine 
and you are the branches. And then he makes one of the most amazing statements in all of scripture, I believe, especially as it relates to us here and now. He says this, those who remain in me and I in them will produce what? Much fruit. But the opposite, for apart from me, you can do, say it with me, nothing, nothing. If you miss everything else this morning, I want you to get this. As branches, if we stay connected to God, we produce much fruit. If we, if we separate, if we're disconnected from him, we can accomplish nothing. Nothing. Zilch, nada, like nothing. And if I'm honest with you, I know there's some of you in this room that are, are thinking, yeah, right. Because I did. I remember years of reading this and, and thinking, okay, Jesus, that's kind of extreme, right? Like apart from you, I can do nothing. Like if I'm honest, secretly God, I would tell you, I've, I've accomplished quite a bit without you. You know, I've done some things in my life that I'm pretty proud of that I didn't really ask for your help on. And like this morning, I got up this and I, and I picked out my clothes. My wife didn't even have to help me. And it somewhat matches, right? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm accomplishing quite a bit. And God, I didn't need your help in that. And if that's where you're at today, you might be going, I don't know if I really believe that. But here's what helped me years ago. As I started to look into this idea of what it means to accomplish nothing. Like without Jesus, you can accomplish nothing. And that word nothing, this is the definition a quantity of no importance, worthless. Apart from him, you can try to accomplish a lot of stuff, but everything accomplished in life without Jesus is worthless. It's worthless. You can attempt to accomplish a lot during your lifetime, but without Jesus, at the end of your life, you're going to realize it's worthless. Uh, in my por- former profession as a uh, police officer and as my um, current profession as a pastor, unfortunately, part of those, both of those jobs is to walk with people as they enter into death. I can't even count the number of people I've sat with as they've died. And I can't even tell you how many of them have regretted their life's decisions and what they've made their life about. Not once did I ever have anybody go, you know, I wish I'd worked more hours. I wish I'd made more money. Nobody. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Try to accomplish things in your own life without Jesus. You get to the end of your life, you will realize that every bit of it is worthless. It's like what Ecclesiastes says, all of life is meaningless. It's but a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. What Solomon's talking about in that moment is, um, without Jesus, everything is worthless. And see, you are designed by your creator to be connected to him and to produce everlasting fruit. You are designed to be connected to him, and it's the only way that you will ever see the fruit that you desire in your life. The way C.S. Lewis put it years ago was he said that we all have this God-shaped hole in our life, in our, in our hearts. And until we place Jesus where he belongs in our life, we will always find ourselves unfulfilled, chasing after everything else, trying to find satisfaction in life, and it's not going to happen. And some of you are sitting in that pain right now. Like you have chased 
everything. I know C.S. Lewis is correct because I sit with a lot of you every week and I, I hear the stories and I hear the regrets and I hear the struggle and you're chasing after everything but Jesus, everything that money can buy, homes and cars and, and still you're unsatisfied. Things aren't where that you want them to be. You can chase after power and influence and you're still unfulfilled and then maybe you turn to people to fill that need, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whatever it might be and, and the married couples in here will tell you there's not a single married couple in here who can say that their spouse has met every one of their needs in their lifetime. Do you know why? Because we're not designed to do that. Only Jesus can do that. We're trying to fill that God-shaped hole in our life with everything but him. And you will always remain unsatisfied. You will never find true joy and peace. And when we chase after everything else and we get down the road a little ways and we realize it's failing and and we're unhappy, we're even more unhappy than we were before, then many times we'll turn to substance or or sex or porn or the bottle to try to help with that, to kind of numb that pain and it just makes things worse. And some of you, it's been made worse by other people. Like you've been sinned against by somebody else whether it was when you were a child and somebody took advantage of you or maybe you were raped or or maybe your spouse walked out on you or maybe you were abandoned. And you know what Jesus is saying? He says, I am the true grapevine. I bring life. I bring blessing. I bring healing. I bring joy. I bring peace. But it's only through him that you can find those things. Not through anything else. My prayer today is that you would come to this place where you would say, enough is enough. I'm done chasing everything else. I acknowledge today that Jesus is who he says he is when he says, I am the true vine and I'm going to connect to him. Because without him, I can do nothing. Now, if you're not seeing the fruit that you desire in your life, the reason is simple. It's because you're connected to the wrong thing or the wrong person. You're looking for something only Jesus can provide in your life. And the fact is that what you're connected to determines what fruit you produce. The fruit you produce that you see coming out of your life is simply a byproduct of what you're connected to. And without Jesus, guess what? It's worthless. Remember all the things I said I I was able to accomplish without Jesus? When I look at those things today, I realize all that stuff's going to burn. Everything that I thought was important is going to burn. It's not going to make any difference in the end. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can produce fruit that is going to stand the test of time. Actually, longer than that, it's going to extend into eternity. Without Jesus, everything else is worthless. And then look what Jesus says in the very next verse, in verse 6. He says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. And I'm guessing that some of us sitting here today as I'm speaking, you're starting to realize that your life is withering away. Like you've chased all the wrong things in your life. I pray today that you make a decision you're done. You're done chasing everything else. You're ready to turn your life over to Christ and give him the proper place in your life.
My question is this, are you connected to Jesus? Are you connected to Jesus? And I don't mean like connected, yeah, I come to church. Yeah, I was raised in a Christian home. That's not what I'm talking about. Because there has to come a time when you decide for yourself that he is the savior, your savior. And you surround your life around him, not you add him to your life, but he becomes the focal point of everything that you do. Are you connected to Jesus? Are you sold out to him where every day he is the Lord of your life? Are you connected to Jesus? And because you're connected to Jesus, let me ask you this. What fruit are you seeing from your life? Because that will definitely determine whether you're connected to Jesus or not. And unfortunately, many of us, we think that we're followers of Jesus Christ. You know, there was a time years ago that we may have said, hey, I, I think Jesus is who he says he is. And, and we started to live our lives and we think that we're doing better. And, and we look at the fruit in our lives and we would have to admit that our fruit is like the fruit that grandma used to set out in the bowl on the, on the coffee table. Remember those plastic grapes? You know, it's fake. It's a facade. It's your post on Facebook or Instagram. And you think that that's real when it's not. Or you're judging whether you're connected to Jesus or not by your financial account? Be careful with that. Because I promise you, there's people in this room that can testify to the fact that you can have a full bank account and an empty life. Are you connected to Jesus and what kind of fruit are you producing from your life? It's only when you're connected to Jesus will you see the fruit that you desire in your life. Now you might be thinking, well, what kind of fruit then? I mean, what are we talking about? Well, we're given a list in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I would challenge you to memorize those things and begin to look for those things in your life. Are you connected to Jesus? And if so, what kind of fruit are you producing? Is there love in your marriage? Can you say that when you're driving down the road, there's just moments of joy where you're like, thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've blessed me with. When you lay your head down at night, do you have peace? Because you know that you're right with God and the people around you? Because you're living the life of Christ? Is there peace in your life? Uh, do you have patience when you're raising your kids? Doggone it, I was hoping he wasn't going to bring that up, right? Brought the kids up. Great. And, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and don't even get me started on self-control. Is that the fruit that's produced from your life? Are you seeing that? Because if you're connected to the vine, this is what you're going to see. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me because I know some of you are going to take this to another extreme, and I want you to know that fruit isn't the test of your salvation. It's a byproduct. You can be saved in Jesus Christ. You can receive him, but then you start this sanctification process of him molding and shaping you to be more and more like him. You're not going to have that self-control overnight. It's not going to happen. But are you seeing steps in that direction? Are you becoming more kind like Rob talked about in the video this morning, right? Are you seeing that type of fruit flow out of your life? And uh, I'm, I'm not looking at Rob. I'm just going to tell you guys. I, I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know that dude. I've watched him mature over the years. I'm so proud of that guy. 
When he started, started coming, uh, man, he talked about being rough. That's an understatement. Um, I love the fact we had to beep out one of his words. I love that. He's, he's going through a sanctification process. And if you want to talk to somebody that knows what I'm talking about this morning, go talk to Rob and ask him about the relationships in his life with his kids and extended family. Yeah. But here's the deal. And I know I shouldn't draw attention to somebody like that, but I'm doing it anyway. Uh, he'll tell you up front, it's not him. It's not him. And you need to know that. Because some of you are hearing this, and I know what's going to happen. You're going to leave here, and you're going to go, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to love my spouse better. I'm going to try to be more patient with my kids, right? I'm going to produce fruit. And if you think that, you've missed everything I just said today. You think a branch, when it wakes up in the morning, goes, I'm going to produce a grape. <laughs> it doesn't do that. It produces the grape because it is connected to the vine and it has no choice but to produce fruit. It's a byproduct. As you stay connected to Jesus Christ, he produces the stuff in your life and you will see your life, like Rob did, transformed over time. But apart from him, Jesus says you can do nothing. I want you to study this passage this week. And if you do, over those 10 verses, there's a theme that keeps popping up. And it's the word remain. In some of your translations, like I said, it says abide. But it's the idea of remaining, abiding, connecting, staying connected to the vine, staying in Jesus Christ, living in that. You have to stay in that. And it comes up 11 times in those 10 verses. And Jesus is saying, unless you remain in me, you will never see the fruit that you desire. And when you remain in me, you're going to produce much fruit. He couldn't have said it any more clear. Why do we miss it? Why do we chase all the shiny stuff? And we forget that we have a God that loves us and has a better plan for us. Man, I pray today, you just, you're just getting this and that you're ready to, to make that change and that commitment to follow him. To stay connected to him. Now, I have to acknowledge that as I'm speaking, there's three categories of people in this room. Uh, the first one are those who are connected to Jesus and you're seeing fruit in your life. Like you're living this. You're smiling today because you're like, I know exactly what Don's talking about. I know exactly what he's talking about. And, and I feel it. I sense it. I'm, I'm living in that right now. If that's you, here's my challenge for you. Start leading others to the same hope you've found. That's my challenge. Because the fruit that's produced in your life is not just for you. Do you know that? Do you know what happens if you grab a whole bunch of fruit and you hoard it to yourself? You know what happens to it over time? It rots. Yeah. You need, you need to live that out and let that affect the people around you. Remember love? Patience, kindness, self-control. When you live those things out, when God is moving and working in you and changing you and the, those, that fruit is being produced in your life, it affects everybody around you. You need to allow it to start leading others to the same hope that you found. Because I promise you this, that hope that you found, that you're enjoying this morning, there are people outside of these walls that are dying without hope. And they need you to share with them. Another group is those of you that were connected and for whatever reason, 
you're at this place right now, I don't know if it's a dry place, a valley, I don't know what it is for you, but you just feel disconnected. Um, I was talking to a brother here this last week, and he was telling me that the last, man, it's been a couple of years for him. And he said, I just took a break. I thought I was just going to, you know, separate myself for a little bit, just take a breather. And he said, it got easy. And then pretty soon he looks back, it's been two years, and he's just kind of completely drifted away. And thank God he's recognized that because he's like, I'm getting reengaged. I'm plugging back in. I'm reconnecting to the true grapevine. He's found himself in a bad place, and he just, it took a while for him to realize it's because he wasn't connected. Um, my challenge for you, it's time to reconnect to Christ. Connect today. Change it. You can do that. You can start to spend more time in prayer. Start opening the Word of God and getting into the Word of God. You join a life group. Join a Bible study. Start serving. Get plugged in with God's body, the church, and begin growing. But there's a third category, and that's those of you that need to connect to Jesus. Maybe you've never done this before. Today's the day. Don't leave here without acknowledging who Jesus is and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. Begin this journey with Jesus. Because apart from him, you can do nothing. But with him, it's good. It's great. Don't miss out on this today. Um, if you don't know how to do that, I would encourage you, talk to somebody who invited you. Uh, if, you if you came on your own, just come talk to me or one of the pastors. We would love to share with you how you can start this journey with Jesus. I promise you, you'll never regret it. Um, today, we're going to move into a time of communion. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about this because I, I really, really... I think for those of us that know Christ and are walking with Christ, we have an opportunity when we take communion to remember and to celebrate how much Jesus loved us. And so I'm praying that today, that at the communion tables, that we'll take the cracker and that we'll take the juice. And we'll just spend a little time thanking God for what this week represents as we celebrate this week leading up to Good Friday and Easter, the love that he had for us drove him to the cross where he just gave his life for the forgiveness of sins. And it says when we take this, we do it in remembrance of him. And, and as you take the cracker, I want you to think to yourself, this is his body. It's, it symbolizes his body that was broken at the cross so that we could have forgiveness of sin. And as we take the juice, it reminds us of the blood that he poured out, that he spilled for the new covenant. We didn't need to make sacrifices anymore. We didn't need to go to the temple with the grapes. We didn't need to do all that. It was directly through his sacrifice and his resurrection that you and I can be made right with God, that we can enter into a right relationship. We can commit our lives to him and we can begin walking with him and allowing him to mold and shape us into people that look more and more like him to start producing fruit. And so today, um, I want to invite you, just as you feel led, to come down. 
take communion. And uh, we're going to have another action step for you after this. But I want to pray for this time that as we take communion, that God will meet us right where we're at. Would you join me in that? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for loving us first, for coming, for dying on the cross, Lord. Without that, uh, there would be no hope. But Lord, because of that, when we receive you as our Lord and Savior, we get to come to the table and we get to take the juice and we get to take the cracker and we get to remember how much you loved us and, and the fact that we went from people with no hope to people that have no fear because we are secure in you. That even though we don't know what tomorrow holds, you do. And we can trust you in all things. God, I pray that as we take the bread this morning, that we're just reminded of the sacrifice that you made so long ago, that you gave your life for us. And Lord, as we drink the juice, would you remind us that you poured out your blood so that we could enter into a new covenant with you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. We just pray that you would meet us here at this table today. And Lord, that we remember you in this act. We just give all this to you. We ask that everything that we do and say glorifies the name of Jesus and all God's people said.